I can hear you just fine, man. I'm going to try to sit a little farther back from my microphone so when I start talking, it doesn't, it's not so bad. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Not so. Yeah, don't do that. Well, welcome everybody to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. <laughs> Always get me with the Balderdash. Yeah. I just. Balderdash. You think we're not recording, and I'm recording everything that you say. I know. I just don't know where you started, and I'm afraid of what you're going to share with everybody. Yeah, I'm pretty good about that. I won't start I know it if, you are. <clears throat> if you've listened to the podcast at all. I'm I'm pretty pretty good about that. Yeah, so not like Johnny, we have a lot of boundaries. When yeah, we're so, talking about this. Yeah, it's so that's true. okay. I know. Well, Rhode Island Johnny, how you doing? I'm good. I haven't integrated myself into the mob yet. Oh, that's good. Uh, I, I've been as as hard as I try. Yeah. Uh, I just don't have the look. Okay. I mean, so. you, you work on it. You can probably get there. Yeah. I mean, I, people know I'm a fraud, though. <laughs> a fraud. I mean, the closest we got is uh, the closest I am to the mob now is that uh, we now have a new companion in our house. Yeah. It's a shark robot vacuum. <laughs> and his name is Joey Valentino. Of course, you got a shark vacuum. Yeah. Ro- iRobot well, type thing. Yeah. 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 yeah but cheaper, a little, Cheap. little louder. Eh, sharks are and, great, actually. And they're, it's funny because you can, anyone who has one, you know this, you can name them. And so people name them things. And we, since we live at the end of Little Italy, yeah. Providence, yeah. we named ours Joey Valentino. Nice. That's hey, Joey Valentino. How come you're not picking up the dirt, Joey? That's right. Joey, Joey's got the line on all the cleaning contracts in the, in the yeah, condo. Yeah, that's right. That's funny. You scratch your back. No. Nope. You scratch my back. You can get a look, good look. Clean your floor. T bone steak by sticking your head up a butcher's ass. Butcher's ass. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you're you're about the Internet of Things. I've I've realized you like the Internet of Things. You like the uh, has, ring doorbells and the. Do you like the ring doorbell. cat feeders and the yeah. cameras and some of that stuff? Yeah, the iRobot it, stuff. It, the way we we live, which is. With massive amounts of excess, my coastal. <laughs> um, it it makes our like that's strategic because it makes our lives a little easier. Yep. Um, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's fine. I don't care. They can have my stuff. That's how they. I don't get have you. anything worth taking. Although we do have a beautiful big green couch now. Yeah, nice. Uh, Did you get yeah, it from Wayfair? Yes, Wayfair. You got just and what I just, need. And they had exactly what we needed. We didn't wow. know we needed it until Helen saw the picture of it. She says, I want that couch. And I said, okay. Yeah. Is it nice? Is it comfy? Uh, yeah. yeah. How much trouble have you gotten into that this. you uh, now have to sleep on it? That Ooh, thing? that's a really nice couch. I don't know. Isn't that fancy? That's sexy. It should be like in a cigar lounge. Do you like this place better than your place at uh, West Seattle? No. Okay. <laughs> She's just, are that was you quick. worried? <laughs> that was quick. No. Are, are you worried that I'll fall in love with it and never come home? No. I'm not worried about that. I just wondered. Johnny, come home. Because um, you're in a new place. It's different. It's yeah. a, I mean, it's it's just different. Yeah. It's like having a side um, chick. It's not yeah. It's not like your main chick, but it's different. Different. That's no, I don't know what that's like. So <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, so funny. <laughs> um, maybe you should cut that out in case Dana Joe decides to listen to this. No, thing. no. She calls me out on all this stuff. <laughs> when we played that uh that Ghostbusters uh clip with the ghost that was unzipping his pants and he went cross-eyed oh, yeah. and we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I've never been sucked that hard that 
<laughs> she made a comment about that. She goes, uh, and I'm like, Dana, we're being silly. Like, it's not. We're just being ding dongs. She's the greatest. Well. Hey, how you since, doing? Yeah, let's go. Yeah. What are we doing? Since we're since we're here. Yeah, and we're it's a drinking podcast. It is a drinking podcast. With some how's with the, some information that you could use. Yeah. Where'd you get your information from, huh? huh? Seattle's great. Uh what'd I do this week? Um oh yesterday, no, not yesterday. Tuesday we went and saw Charlie Crockett, the man from Waco at the Showbox Soto, and that was yeah. a lot of fun. That does sound like fun. Expensive drinks, great concert. And uh yeah, that was a fun night. So I took Wednesday off just because I wasn't sure, and I'm glad I took Wednesday off because I got a lot accomplished. Went down to nice. Went down to a lumber yard, bought some wood, and uh, went to Home Depot and got uh, some insulation for the garage, and just moving slowly on that stuff. Yeah, that's fun. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Fun, even though it's just tinkering and getting little bits done. Yeah, it's still fun. Concerts are fun. You know what I did over the weekend? It's been a while since I've been to a concert. What'd you do this weekend? This is not a euphemism. I pet a baby goat. Oh, I saw that picture. Helen sent the picture. Yeah, they were so cute. Yeah. The littlest one's name was shockingly Tiny. Tiny. Yeah, and it it was just adorable. You're supposed to name the big ones Tiny. I know, right? And the small ones like Big Joe. Or Maud. (laughs) Maud. Maud. Yeah. They did not have a goat named Jeff. That's what I was really hoping for, but I can't win them all. Yeah. Did they scream? Were they no, loud? they're not. They're not screaming goats. No, screaming ones would are just been, silly. They're, they're silly. So funny. Goats are silly. Um, we did have an interesting conversation though with a guy who owns the place. Uh, Maria brought up uh, the fainting goats. Yeah, because people like to watch them on the internet because they're funny. And he said, "No, we don't have those because it's actually pretty cruel. Like the reason they faint is their system shuts down. Yeah, for a second when they get scared, and they're it's not a natural occurrence. They're bred to do that because people think it's funny." Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So it's like, he's like, it's cruel. It's not a nice thing. So he's like, I don't. How does he know really though? I mean, does the goat complain? Are the goats sad? Do the goats kill themselves? It seems, well, I don't think they, they don't have thumbs. So that would be really hard, (laughs) but they could kill themselves. Yeah. But do they do it on purpose is what I'm saying. They go drown themselves or anything. No. Okay. But they could fall over and hurt themselves as they're like running and then they just faint. Yeah. Maybe they like but it. But it's like, maybe it's exhilarating it's like, for it's them. It's almost like giving them a seizure. Like kinky goats. Like, they no, want to be choked. I don't think they like it. I think it's, I, I think I agree with them. I think it's mean. Okay. I don't think, I don't think they care. I don't think goats care. Well, I don't think they think through it like you and I do, but <laughs> I don't think they enjoy it. I think humans, I think humans try to empathize with, with animals and I think animals are just like, Hey, I'm alive. I don't, I don't care. What's food, food. Is there food around? I don't food think people. animals are like sentient link like people are, but I think they feel and think more than, more than that. Like pigs are really smart and it's not just like, accidental. Well, and dogs, dogs too. Like, I'm not sure if goats though. I mean, you can tell the intelligence of goat, certain animals. I mean, a goat is just a devil dog. <laughs> just a it's devil got those dog. hooves. Oh yeah, and horns. the weird eyes. Their eyes are and the, the weird weirdest eyes. fucking shit, I dude. I, I love it. They're so cool. No, I want goats. Satanic. I want goats so bad. Gross. Nate Dana mm-hmm. wants goats too. Jeez. I want them to eat my brush at the cabin. Yeah, that's what I want. Actually, I'd be a good place for them. I bet they'd get eaten by like bears mountain and shit. Lions. Yeah, and mountain lions. Yeah, you'd have to take care of them. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't just leave them. No, they they need some some tending. But they're they're super friendly and they're all really curious and weird. But it was fun to pet the goats. Anyway, so I pet goats. Awesome. Anyway, 
Goat Talk with I'm, John I'm and Wes. Things. We were, Helen and I were told that we are a really, really fun couple, and Helen and I both said, mm-hmm. So that was a highlight. Cool. Um, and uh, Helen and I had another late night dance party, and then Sunday was long. Yeah. Because we stayed up way too late. Oh. <laughs> we stayed up until almost 3 o'clock, I think. Doing what? And dance partying. Oh. We were doing late night dance partying in the in the condo, and uh, I woke up with like six thousand steps already because <laughs> so we were up dancing all night long. That's good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. So I man. treated myself to a delicious breakfast. Mm. Very good. Excellent. Want to know what I had? No. Fried egg sandwich. Cool. I'm tell you. I anyway. love fried egg sandwiches. Cool. Under two. Let's ketchup, drink ketchup and mayonnaise. Ketchup and mayonnaise. Just ketchup and ketchup and hot sauce. No ketchup and mayonnaise. Mm, mayonnaise. Mm. Ketchup though, yeah. on eggs. I, I love don't ketchup. Like ketchup on eggs. Actually, Max, uh, German neighbor Max, turned me on to curried ketchup. I love curried ketchup. That they is it phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Is, is it weird that Germans love curry? No. Well, he's a bad it's, German, so he calls himself a bad German because he neither likes pickles or or really sauerkraut, and he doesn't like mustard. Hmm. Did so, he drink Stella probably? No, he does not drink Stella. I don't know. This is a suspicious neighbor. I think he's up to something. He likes, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, dark beer, Schwartz beer. He likes Schwartz beer. Yeah. I love Schwartz like beer Schwartz too. If, I think he's a secret agent. You better watch out. I mean, he could he's trying, be. He's trying to come after your shit, Wes. The government he, he knows. My, he can have my, that Germans that want, the Germans hide. want my shit. This is why, this is why you need cameras all over the place so they can see that you're not doing anything. It's, yeah. it's sound sound logic. All right. Who who, who uh, says I'm not doing anything? I don't know. It's suspicious. <laughs> you don't want to have cameras on you, so they think you're doing something. You're uh, up to no good. Okay, man. Because they can't. Because they can't tap. Just re- hey, just remember, don't buy things over six hundred dollars. And if you do, ask them to make two transactions <laughs> under six hundred dollars. Got to report it all. Yep. A bunch of bullshit. So, so. Went from twenty thousand dollars to six hundred dollars. Ain't yeah, that amazing? That's a that's a pretty big swing. So if I buy a TV, the government needs to know about it. Yes, they already know about it because I have to pay taxes on a fucking thing. Yeah. Well, welcome. It's, it's dumb. New world order. Um. So what are we drinking tonight, Johnny boy? So this is coming from the motherland, the homeland, Elliott Bay Brewing Company. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite. Well, our favorite Helen and I's local favorite uh, breweries. Yeah, we like this uh, We used to be too. mug club members at Elliott Bay and Burien, but yeah. that was a long time ago and then the pandemic hit and I don't know if our mugs are still there. Because mm. if you don't use them, then they go away. Yeah, but they it's keep them, here. right? Like no, they would tell like, you. Uh, I don't know. That's why I'm not sure. Oh. Uh, I think they, if you don't use them for three months, then they pull them and they make room for people who, oh. will, will, like it's a buy-in, you have to buy-in oh. um, and you have a glass with your name etched on it. Um, but then everything got topsy turvy with the pandemic and we never heard anything about it since. So I don't know what they did, huh. but anyway, oh, when you I come still home, like you're going to have to go check it out. Yeah, probably. I still like them. And so this delightful, not lager that we're going to have is no doubt stout. It's one of their staple all the time beers at, at their locations. I think they have three locations. West Seattle, Berrien yep. and, uh, Lake city, Lake city. I think those are the three. I think those are the only three. Uh, they have a really good black bean burger there too. So if you're hungry, go there and eat. Anyway, 
They actually have uh, really sure. good Rubens. They actually have meat oh, yeah. sandwiches the that are very good, meat too. Meat sandwiches. I don't eat beans. Beans. Crickets. What? I like it. I like the way it tastes. <laughs> it has nothing to do with, like, I don't want to eat meat, so I'm going to have black I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, it's basically refried beans yes. between buns. It's like a it's like a German taco. Yeah. It's like later. Later? Refried beans between buns. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hit you twice. Yep. Hit you twice. Going in, going hot out. Sauce, you could get the Bernie farts at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, right, what is this? Go. Let's don't speak. No doubt. No spout. doubt. Spout. Oh. oh, yeah. Dark and frothy. Mm. I'm definitely going to have to share this one. I think Helen likes this one. Don't speak. Mm. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Clink. Um, hold on. I got it. I'm drinking out of a can, like a bro. Drinking out of a glass because I am a classy motherfucker. I have no class. Mm. That's good. Boom. Mm, that is yummy. Um, so what is this? This is six point three percent. I think people worry a lot with stouts that they're going to be kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, and this is like very full flavored without being really heavy. Yeah, there's actually a bitterness to it, too. Yeah, there's a bitterness to it. Jimmy. Yeah. I don't mind it at all. I could drink a lot of this. It's almost like drinking coffee. It's like a mm-hmm. coffee stout, mm-hmm. but without like any milk or anything that might make it uh, thick or sugary. Yeah, it's good. I really like it. I had a good um, English pale ale at Seven Seas. That was delicious. Mm. You've been to Tell Seven Seas? It. Mm-mm. Uh, so Seven Seas uh, Brewery Wait, where's the, where's in Tacoma. <clears throat> I don't think we've been there now. Yeah, it's huge, huge warehouse and uh, tons of seating and whatnot. We went there last weekend for a no agenda meetup mm-hmm. and uh, met about eight other people that showed up and had beers. And it's in the old, um, God, I forget what it's, the Heidelberg, Heidel brewery that was in Tacoma for a long time. I'm going to look it up so I don't mess it up. Anyways, fantastic so, beer. So there was a brewery there and then was it something else for a long time and then they put it back a brewery back in there? Uh I think it was just it was always a brewery and then it became uh Seven Seas and they have a whole bunch of different beers that they brew and then it used to be the Heidelberg and they re-released the Heidelberg beer with the same logo. It looks like an old mm. premium lager. And I have that one uh, come premium back. Premium lager. Yep. That's what it says. Heidelberg beer, premium lager. They're, uh, actually, their advertising is really good. It says, everyone loves a good comeback. Same yeah. slow brew taste brought back to life for a new generation to enjoy. Enjoy. And it was good. You enjoyed it? Uh, yeah, I did. I uh, it's a four percent. It's what I had at the end. Um, it was really good. And uh but the English pale ale was yummy. Dana had the sours, those were good. Oh, yeah. I didn't have anything else because it was out in Tacoma and I didn't want to get too trash, but they had some stouts, some imperial IPAs and stuff like that. So they had some heavy stuff um nice. that I would have liked to try if uh if we weren't out. You didn't t- have to drive home? Yeah, if I didn't have to drive home. Yeah, that can be rough. So, and they got a couple well, of tap rooms. They got their gig Harbor tap room and the one in Tacoma. So maybe that's why I know about them. Seven seats. I, I don't know. I'm talking shit. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. So no, they were really good. Uh, let's see. They got a hazy IPA, regular IPA, imperial IPA, a pilsner, double IPA, and then nomadic IPA. Brood. I think they like IPAs. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Um, Bring it back to what we're drinking now, which is more relevant to their conversation. Oh, hold on. And they have coming soon the bourbon barrel-aged barley wine. You know, we could do an episode with Seven Seas, and you can talk all you want about it. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. The No Agenda meetup was awesome, too. People there. I love meeting the people from No Agenda Nation. And uh, uh, the person who put it on, this is her first time organizing it. Um, and it's as simple as just calling a place and saying, Hey, I'm going to bring some friends. We need a reservation. They're like, no. And I was like, cool. Cause I'm going to do one at, I think the good society mm-hmm. and see who shows up. Probably nobody, but I'll be there drinking. What about jellyfish? Mm-hmm. That'd be a good one. We can one. do jellyfish as well. It's a little less off the beaten path. Yep. Although it is nice that you can walk home from good society. Yes. So and that's, that is a that's winner. Benefit. Yep. Um, I do want to say, so Elliot Bay, um, they were one of the first uh, nearly all organic breweries. Okay. Uh, not all of their beers are organic, but most of them are. And when you go to the the, uh, the locations, they'll say right on the names of the beers. Um, interestingly enough, the reason they're not 100% organic is because there are a lot of specialty malts to make a lot of the beers that they have that you can't get an organic version of. Oh. And so because even if it's 1% of the the mash bill. Yeah. If it's not, if that part's not organic, they can't say that it's organic. So oh. they're like, they're very close. Um, I feel like Woodenville whiskey company did a similar thing for some of their stuff as well, but I, I could be wrong on that one. I know they were organic to begin with, uh, but now I don't, I don't think it shows organic on their bottles anymore. Might've got too expensive. Okay. So. Well, awesome. Do you want to crack open the bourbon? We're doing the noble Oak. Double barrel. Wait, which one? The Noble Oak. I, I grabbed the wrong one. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm, I'm using the bottle you brought back. Folks, uh, while John is uh, getting the correct bottle, I just want to let you guys know that this is a value for value podcast. Uh, so we're always looking for donations and donations would help us with uh, buying and purchasing the not only the the beer and the bourbon that we taste, but it also helps with all the audio equipment that we use here on beer, bourbon, and Balderdash. So if you go to fountain.fm or even Podverse, you can give us some Satoshis. Um, that would be great. And uh, leave us a note. And one of the things that, of course, John and I really enjoy is hearing from our listeners. So if you got a comment or a question or if we're wrong um, or if you just want to shout out, you can leave us uh, a voicemail on our um, on our number, you can look for us on Instagram under beer, bourbon, balderdash. You can go to our website and leave us a comment. You can even, uh, go to any of the, uh, podcasts and leave us a review. And we would really appreciate that. You can also find me at, uh, wholesome Olson or sir West of the West side on no agenda social, which is on the Mastodon network. So, uh, yeah, so look at any of those uh, places. You can reach out to us and say hi, and uh, we would love to chat with you. I'm working right now on trying to get us on a um, live, um, perhaps a once-monthly live show. Uh, and uh, so stay tuned for that as well. John, you got the Noble Oak Double Barrel Bourbon? Double Oak Bourbon? I, I do. Okay, I good. do. I do. I do. Ready? 
Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kind of pour it in my little schniffer glass here. Oh, Kentucky Glen Karen right just, there. Just four fingers. Four fingers. All right. So Noble so Oak. What do we know about Noble Oak? Well, it's a Noble uh, Oak bourbon. Yeah. Bourbon whiskey finished with sherry oak staves. Yeah. So this should be interesting. Most of the bourbon's character comes from the wood. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they elegantly marry two of the world's most coveted cask types. Yep. Uh, first time honored methods, blah, blah, blah. Then they do some other stuff. It's probably delicious. Yep. Bottled by Noble Oak Spirits Company, Newtown, Ohio. New York City. Get it, rope. All right. So All right. Ohio. All right, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is. Uh, I actually had this the other night without knowing that we were going to do this tonight. Oh, I had this at the Showbox in Soto. Believe it or oh. not, yeah. Isn't Did that you funny? like it? That is funny. Yes, it was expensive as fuck because we were at the Showbox. It's not even that expensive of a bottle. No, but you're at a Showbox, and all of a sudden oh, I was yeah. like, "Oh, is it twenty five dollars?" I don't want to say because I feel like an ass that I even paid for it. But Dana got a mixed yeah. drink that she really enjoyed, so that was fine. I got a beer afterwards. Okay. Well, cheers, man. Cheers. Yeah, it's sweet, honey. There's the oak. Oak is always forward mm-hmm. because it's double oak. It's what they do. It's got a fruity smell to it as well. Mm-hmm. It does have a little bit of an alcohol bite, but the mouthfeel is really smooth. Like it's almost silky, which mm. I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it coats, like it coats the inside of your mouth and kind of. Yeah. Very easily goes down. Vanilla and honey is really forward. Mm-hmm. Like it's the first thing you taste. Uh, in the back, it is a little hot in the back, but overall, it's really nice. Yeah, it's got a kind yeah. of a thick consistency to it almost as far as that. Yeah. Spicy. Uh, <clears throat> it's only 90 proof. Mm. So it's an everyday drinker. It's got a, a really strong cherry flavor to it, too. Breakfast bourbon, as it were. Mm. Yeah, it really does. Mm. Can you taste the cherry? It's like really mm-hmm. strong. That's yummy. Now there's like a there's like a a quick um hit of sweet. Yeah. Right in the initial taste that just kind of goes away. And then all of the other bourbon flavors come flooding in afterward. It's probably from the sherry cask. Yeah. Not bad. It's kind of an interest it's kind of an interesting <clears throat> it's an interesting um experience the way that the the flavors change so quickly you know sometimes it's just consistent throughout which is fine yep this one just has like a very fleeting first taste and then everything else kind of that's what it what it's going to do yeah it's good i, I like agree this. with that what's noble oak i'm gonna look at noble oak total wine and more and see if it have it at total wine and more noble oak bourbon they do 36.99 yeah that's not so bad <clears throat> No, it's Plus actually not bad. Thirty six ninety nine in taxes. Yep, I'm gonna add this to my my things here. My favorites. So, speaking of drinking oh. and uh, and ranking things or rating things or yeah, um, keeping track of things. Yes, there is an app called Untapped. Untapped. Yes, it is a a beer drinking app yep. where you can track and comment on beers you drink. Okay. Uh, I forgot this existed until my new manager Oliver and I got starting talking about beer, and he did you tell? Did you mention almost, a podcast that you're a part of? I did. He actually oh, it's funny. He he uh, 
he asked about, well, it came up and, uh, and he was like, wait, so is this like, if I listen to it, will it, well, I know too much about you that, you know, I shouldn't listen to it. And I was like, <laughs> nah, not at all. You mean, are you QAnon right winger <laughs> that needs to be described as a domestic terrorist? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly, exactly what I he was it. worried about. Yep. No, I was like, no, it's fine. I was like, I, I thought I'd talk some shit about some of the kids that work here or, or you know, like Wayfires. Wanted to make sure that was a big one. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like be called out for talking shit about yeah. Wayfair because I actually really do like working where I work. Um, and it's like, but my cohort West assured me that I never really said anything bad about them. The only thing I've really said was that I work with a bunch of children and Oliver goes, well, we do. So yeah. kids, fine. you said kids, that's just, and that's, that's different than children. Kids, kids, with kids. Yeah. You work with kids. I work with kids. And that's only, that's an age thing, not a necessarily mature thing. So I yes, that's fine. A lot of, lot of youngins. Yeah. That's fun. That's why we have so much ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Ice cream and cookies. Yeah. We had a uh, lot anyway. of booze at, uh, oh, so much at booze. Amazon. So we have more booze here. <laughs> Do you really? More. Oh my gosh. So much. I couldn't work in an environment with so much booze. I'd there, be like, there eh. are four taps on four of our seven floors, <laughs> uh, that are mostly beer. And usually there's a cider. Yeah. Sometimes there's a, um, a hard seltzer. They kind of they they rotate. Yeah, uh, they're still trying to get rid of kegs of that purple pinwheel pilsner from our twentieth anniversary. That wasn't party. bad. It's just weird color. Yeah, nobody wants to drink it. Why? So it's like it wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad. Is it I the color think, that's turning them off? I don't. I don't know. Oh. I did, it's well. So you should do a poll in our office. The poll. caveat is like it wasn't bad, but it also wasn't great. Yeah, and there's other really great. Like they do pick really great beers. Uh, and this one just, it's like, why would I drink that if I could drink other things that are a lot mm. better? Um, but then they also have wine taps, uh, all over the place too. So there's lots of, lots of, of booziness. So what time do people start drinking at Wayfair? Uh, well, we get there at nine. So I'm <laughs> thinking probably around then. <laughs> really? People no, have breakfast beers. No they idea. walk around, they talk to you and they no. have beer. No, no, no. But I, th- there are moments when I'm like, oh, it's two o'clock and people are sitting around a table in that re- in the cafeteria drinking beer. All right. I just, I, I think there's a, probably if you were drinking in the morning, yeah, there might be a conversation, but like anytime afternoon is fine. Yeah. After just as long as it's not affecting your work, nobody cares. Well, if you brought a little hip flask of whiskey and put it in your coffee in the morning. <clears throat> I don't want to talk about idea. it. Might already do well, that. Little, uh, little, uh, fifth of, uh, early times. Yeah, there you go. You know, you know the little <laughs> bottle I brought up. What's what's the bottle that your uh, Noble Oak is in? It's the in one, one of the. That? It's it's in one of the. It's one of the little ones. Yeah, that we got from the Twelve Days yeah. of Whis- Texas Whiskey or whatever. So the one that I brought home to you that has uh, that looks like a miniature fifth. Yeah, that bottle. I have one of those fill of whiskey in my dresser or in my dresser in my um my locker and. You get dressed cabinet. at work. Weird. Sometimes. <laughs> Depends on how the day goes. <laughs> they got a gym inside Wayfair. What do they got there? You got any nice corporate no, things in there? No. Cafeteria with really good food? No. Wow. We have kitchens with sucks, uh, hummus man. and cheese sticks and oh. all the snacks. You oh, can my God. Millennials. Oh, I know. When I worked I mean, at Starbucks this- corporate, we had <laughs> we had kitchens everywhere full of espresso machines and coffee makers, of course. Mm-hmm. And different kitchens had different types of Starbucks coffee or 
um, Terrafazioni and Seattle's Best Coffee. And then if you went down to the fourth floor, I believe, uh, we had a whole cafeteria, including a Taco Del Mar. <laughs> and it was all, uh, <laughs> it was all like convicts on like, on work release type thing that were your servers. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy that worked at the Taco Del Mar. And if you ordered like a, a salad, say like a taco salad or whatever, he go, chicken book of beef. <laughs> I'd look at him. I go, what? <laughs> I remember the first time he goes, chicken book of beef. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And my friend Rob was with me and he goes, chicken, pork, or beef. And I go, oh, beef. <laughs> and the guy just like slopped it on while he looked at me. <laughs> like he like dead ass stared me in the eyes while he slopped it on. And I was like, all right, thanks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but on the. I remember, that, I remember that cafeteria because around that same time I was working at the Home Depot across the street. Oh, were you? That's yeah, I didn't my... work for Home Depot. I was yeah. a vendor. It was when I worked for Hilti. Yeah. I worked out of that oh, location yeah. for like a year. Do you remember the hot dog stand outside that Home Depot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, used to get muffins from that hot dog stand in the morning. And then uh, on the sixth floor, there was another little um, like cafeteria place at Starbucks Corporate. And right across from that was a, another big, big room that had a pool table and then had a whole full gym. And your gym membership mm-hmm. was $10 a month. That's awesome. And so you could go up there and work out in the morning or during your lunch or play pool with your friends. And then you can, and there was conference rooms everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember prior to the Nisqually earthquake in 2001, which I was in the building when it happened, um, they had locks on all these, they had wellness rooms. So mm-hmm. they had all these rooms with beds in them, beds, John, mm-hmm. beds and couches, and they had locks on the doors. So people were fucking around at Starbucks corporate. And then after the Nisqually earthquake, they took all the locks off and they took all the beds out and there was only like couches in there. Why'd they, why? Because there was a lot of, there was a lot of, there was a lot of people that were having affairs and effing around in those rooms. Why, why was the earthquake the catalyst? Oh, oh, because um, a lot of the floors flooded and a lot of walls got knocked down. Pipes broke and. Yeah. Yep. So as they were remodeling everything inside there and fixing it all up, they, they decided this would be a good opportunity to make things a little less. Like uh, a seedy motel yeah. on Aurora yeah, Avenue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come to so work. That's my Starbucks STD. story. That's but, fun. But at Starbucks, I had lots of managers. Um, mm-hmm. I had some really good leaders. I had some people that were at Starbucks that were um, there for many, many years, for like 20 plus years. And so this is early 2000s, which means that they were there when shortly after Howard Schultz took over Starbucks from the two men who started, basically was just a, a whole bean place. And Howard uh, Schultz came in and bought Starbucks from these two guys and started selling espresso and lattes because he went to... Uh, Italy and saw the whole culture with coffee and thought this would be a cool thing. So he started mm-hmm. doing that with the name Starbucks. And the original Starbucks is the one that's in the Pike Place Market. So, uh, so a lot of old timers and people that knew Howard from way back when, when he was before it was like a big giant company and the monster that it is now. We weren't even. I don't think we were barely global when I was working for Starbucks. Um, I think we just opened up our first one in like China or Japan or some shit like that. Mm. And so I had some really good leaders and I had some really 
shitty leaders. And uh, the good leaders would, the, the way that they acted uh, was they would tell you what they needed and then they would follow up and ask if you needed any support. But for the most part, they let you do what you need to do and they would just check on you in intermittent ways in which they would want to make sure that you're hitting certain marks. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I had certain leaders that didn't know what the fuck you did, but they were all up in your business and always needed to know why you weren't as busy as you should have been, even though you got all your work done. So you hit all your metrics. And so the rest of the time you're just trying to find busy work to do. And, and sometimes you go up to your boss and, and, and he doesn't have any busy work and so you go fuck around because it's like, all right, well, I got nothing to do. I'm just not going to sit here on my computer and watch and have Starbucks watch what I'm looking at on the internet. So I'm going to go do some other things and try to pee. And then you have this other manager, this very kind of like overbearing manager, like a, like a parent who wants to know why you're not doing anything. And I'm like, cause all my work's done. So I had a manager there and she was the, my manager's manager. And I would, myself and another friend of mine named Rob and another friend of mine named Dean, we would go across the street and we, maybe we'd play some music because um, there was like a, a place down there where you could jam and, or we would go and play pool and stuff like that. And she was always wondering why we weren't in our chairs. And so she put us in a meeting with our manager and she goes, this is whole, this is a total office space thing that she did with us. And she was like, well, it seems like you guys aren't doing enough. And I would look at my manager and I'd say, uh, am I not doing my job? And he's like, no, you get all your work done. And so I look at her and I'm like, so all my work is done. And then I look at my manager, I go, did I not ask you for extra work? And he goes, no, you asked me for extra work. And I go, so I asked for more work. <laughs> and she's like, well, you guys just need to be in your seats, like in your cubicle. Like she didn't care if we had nothing to fucking do. You just have to be there. You just have to be there. And I go, why do I have control? And I go, why do I have to be there if all my work is done? And I've asked for extra work. So they had to find a special projects to do. Like they had to go look, they had to go to other teams and say, can our team help you with this extra work? Which was what I was asking in the first fucking place. Cause mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than having to sit in a cubicle all day long and have nothing to do. Nothing. That is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. No kidding. That's awful. You just want to die. And, and honestly, ever since I left Starbucks, it's like, I never want to go in a cubicle ever again. And I haven't because I think cubicles are death. Yeah. So they're, death. uh, they're obnoxious. I only lived in a cubicle land for one year when I did Jesus camp in Texas. Yeah. We had, we had cubicles. <laughs> that sounds worse too. <laughs> I know it was, uh, well, we were dialing for dollars a little bit. Mm. Uh, no, I mean, not really. We were, uh, I ran a team of seven people <clears throat> that was in charge of promoting, uh, um, their conference that they were holding in Denver. Okay. So each team was, was tagged to a specific. Was that acquire uh, the fire? Yes. Okay. Uh, through team mania ministries. Team mania. Yeah. So we were promoting that acquire the fire. And, um, here's, here's a not so fun tidbit, uh, that acquire the fire was in May, right after the Columbine shootings. Ooh. So Ooh. we were in charge of promoting this conference uh, that came, I think it was two weeks after that is when it happened. So they like, they changed the format of the whole thing because there was like fireworks and like rah, rah, rah stuff. And they're like, probably shouldn't do things that make people think of gunshots while we're, you know, we're that's just nice. having like, I mean, that's smart. 
So they they did some really good things. But I remember like we we drove by the school, we saw where the the memorial was. The um, they still hadn't opened up the schools. The kids whose cars, kids who died whose cars were in the parking lot were still in the parking lot. Uh, so it was like it was kind of eerie. <clears throat> it was weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was my cubicle land experience, and it was fun to manage people. But I had so many days where I'm like. I just want to not be here, but I feel like I can't not be here because somebody's going to do the same thing you're talking about where they're like, well, you're supposed to be at your desk. Yep. And, uh, um, so when kind of the process, when it worked was when that was my job as my internship was doing that marketing stuff. And then when you finished, like when your convention or your conference, um, was over, yeah, you, um, moved to another team and you kind of got to pick what you wanted to do. Um, so you could go like work on other teams and help them promote their, their conferences or like do other things around the place. You know what I did? Grounds crew. Oh yeah. You want to be outside. Yeah. I was like, I can't do this shit anymore. I just, yeah. I want to go cut some grass or, you know, like clear some brush or fix some yeah. equipment. I don't know. Just not this. I just don't want to do this anymore. And so I spent that entire summer, um, driving the the mowers and fixing all the small engines. Like I, there were days where I just sit in the shop and take apart weed eaters and put them back together and lawn mowers and put them back together and make them work. Like we had a big pile of weed eaters that didn't work Yeah, because nobody knew how to fix them. Yeah. And I said, I don't know how to fix them. So that. let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> and That's awesome. Like, yeah, sure. So I sat down and like, I would like Frankenstein these things together and maybe get like six out of 10 of them running. Yeah. Uh, which was really fun. It was actually a really great summer. It was a good, and the grounds crew was like, it was one of those positions that they got a lot of shit because it's like all these different roles and what are your skills and which ones are proper leadership. And it's like, but we also need people to, to like mow grass and clean toilets. Yeah. So it's like the rest of the, uh, leadership Academy is actually what it was called. Uh, would talk shit up or not talk shit, but they kind of, you could tell there was like an, an aura of like, we're better than the grounds crew people. But man, I'd sit in my cubicle all day long. One of my roommates, Nathan was on grounds crew and, and they always seem like they're having so much fun. <laughs> I just they probably are there, like making phone calls and sending yeah. VHS tapes to youth pastors. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, Ugh. I loved, uh, you probably, I probably talked to you cause I, I got some stuff from choir of the fire when I was a youth pastor at Shorewood. I didn't call up here. That would have been uh, Molly. Molly. That's covered, that covered familiar. The, the Seattle one. Yeah. So I, I'd get stuff from Acquire the Fire because I liked some of the stuff that they were doing. Um, but I was always a youth pastor that didn't like the hype. Yeah. Like I felt like it was emotional manipulation to kids. It totally is. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. I was like, like let's get I them. was like, listen, if the gospel doesn't work, why are we why are we doing other things? Well, that's the whole process. It's like, <laughs> hey, rah, 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 second day. Yeah. You know, we'll like make you start thinking about yourself differently. And then by the end of the second day, now we're going to do stuff that makes you question your existence and cry. Yeah. And then tell you, come to Jesus. Yeah. The music thing was really emotional too. Well, I think a lot of uh, spirit filled Pentecostal type churches, I think they, rely too much on the emotional side of things mm -hmm. and, and less on like, like I'm, sp I would consider myself spirit filled, but 
I listen to like Charles Stanley, who's a Baptist, because I, I just want Jesus. I just want good old fashioned, no emotional manipulation Jesus. And if that doesn't work for me, then I have a very big problem with my faith. You know, because it should just be what it is and it should not manipulate me into being something that it's not. Yeah. And you brought up the music part of it. That was like one of the things I actually really enjoyed is there's a lot of, there's a lot of really great music and it's like kind of the same reason I like Michael Fronti is it's, it's generally pretty positive. Positive. And it's beautiful. there's There's a lot of like, yeah, there's a lot of really, I liked like at the time I liked the newsboys and third day. Actually, that was one of the best parts of going there was like third day was with, phenomenal. But you know, I got to tour with, uh, with them for yeah, a short time. I love we third would do day. promotions with them. They yeah. were on, on switch. Foot. Mm-hmm. They actually were, uh, I went to Pittsburgh for the acquire the fire there and Switchfoot yeah. was the band that we had. Love so I Switchfoot. got to meet them and help them go. And say, yeah. that was before they were famous. Yeah. So we They're had a great band, but, Play volleyball with Third Day. They love yeah, volleyball. I love that, uh, and they're really good. And their drummer. <laughs> I have a picture somewhere. I'll try to find it. They, I have awesome. a picture with me and the drummer because people are like, "You guys look like brothers." Oh, that's cool. So we, we would hang out. It was yeah. like I did that for like a month. It was pretty awesome. It was fun. It was fun to meet people that are just decent. Outside of like the religious part of it, it's just good to meet good decent people. And so I was going to say, like, with the music part of it, going to to Texas, one of the things that I really bothered me. Yeah. And I, we've talked about this before is the, like a lot of the worship leaders treat it like it's a show for them. Yeah. For you them. Know, it's like, yeah. Like they are yeah. the ones that you should be focusing on. Yep. Uh, and there was this one gal, Betty, Betsy, be something. I don't remember. And she was really great at playing the piano and she had a decent voice, but every time she got up there to, to lead, it was like, she was performing. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know how like, like stock songs that everybody knows there's, there's a way that everybody sings it. And the goal of the the leader is to help everybody follow along, keep them in time. Yep. And, you know, sort of you're like leading it, but you're not like people aren't there to watch you. You're yes. just there to help facilitate. <clears throat> right. Whereas like this girl would get up there and she would do all this weird shit, like, like change the cadence randomly and change the inflection or like, like, try to do like an off melody while everybody else was saying, you know, it's like, what are you doing? This is not what your job is. This is not what, like you're not leading anybody. You're annoying the shit out of people is what you're doing. Yep. She, she didn't last very long because people were just annoyed by it. It's too distracting. <clears throat> missing the point. It's wild that you were a part of all that. That, I know, always, right? that always wilds me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was your, <clears throat> when we talk about leadership, what was your worst Who's your worst leader? Who's the worst leader that you've ever had to sit under? I would. Okay. So I had this super shitty boss when I worked for ITW, and, which is unfortunate because I met a lot of really great people when I worked in that job and I didn't work there very long. They went through some cuts and restructuring. So What'd I got laid there? off. What'd you do there? Uh, I worked for, um, for Ramset. Oh yeah, you know, like the the orange tools that shoot nails into yep. concrete. Yep, I worked in their commercial division, and I worked with commercial contractors that used all those tools. So I go to job sites and offices and engineers things, and and it's a sales job. Uh, and I covered Portland and and Seattle or Washington, Oregon. So I had a lot of really good times with there. However, my manager was the worst. Mm. Like just a just a all in all, generally not good human being. Um, 
And outside of the leader part, like this actually is part of being a leader is he would be in the car and talking to his wife and just like being mean to her. And it's no. like, yeah. Okay. So mm. you want me to respect you, but you're going to treat another human being that way. Right. You're, especially your wife. You're right. just going to be shitty to yeah. her. Like, I have no respect for somebody who talks to another human that way, let alone the person they married. Yeah. Uh, and then he would just do like, I, I think maybe I didn't actually need to be laid off, but it was a convenient reason for him to let go of me because I would make him uncomfortable because oh. I would call him out on things. Oh yeah. Like I had computer issues a couple of different times. Like when computer crashed and one time I called him up to let him know. I was like, I, I overnight my computer to get it fixed. Um, the screen died. Like just the the screen needed to be replaced, sent it in, and he he goes he goes well, you know John he's like thanks for letting me know but you know you really, you know these are work laptops and you really need to be really careful about the kinds of things that you're <laughs> looking at while you're on your computer. <laughs> I go, oh no, uh, I have a porn box at home for that. I don't use my work laptop yeah. for for that. <laughs> I use my porn box. And he's like, oh, that's uh, that's not what I was trying to apply. I'm like, oh, fuck off. It's not what you're trying to apply. I didn't that's come. Exactly I didn't come all over the laptop. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, did you know, fun fact, you're more fun likely fact. to get a virus from a from a religious website than you are from a porn website. And a hooker. So yeah. there you go. That's fun. That is well, yeah, fun. actually, yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan actually talked about how a lot of uh, religious... Um, Websites are Russian bot run websites. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You got to be careful though. So here's part of also why. It's a good way to get was, people riled up and that are already susceptible to cult-like things. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So he he would do all sorts of weird things. He was a terrible leader because he didn't really lead. He just liked to make you feel shitty. Yeah. He had no desire to help you excel. Like he would he would do things to sabotage your growth so that he could always be over you. Like he didn't want anybody that was under him to, to be manager with him. He didn't want anybody to reach his level. And he wasn't even, I don't know. I think he was just there a long time and yeah. somehow managed to convince people he was okay. Um, <laughs> but he would do all sorts of weird shitty. So I covered, I brought up the Portland thing for a specific reason. Like yeah. he, he once called me and he said, I'm looking at your expense reports and you expensed, a hotel like so i'd go down there two or three days a week and they pay for everything and i would expense a hotel and then and he's like well i'm looking at it on thursday you expensed a hotel but you didn't expense a dinner that night did you actually stay like he's accusing me of not staying down there and just booking a hotel so it looks like i am but the reality was like i don't really eat much breakfast yeah. Uh, but they covered breakfast. So I, you know, mid morning, I'd go get a breakfast. It was usually bigger than what I would normally eat. Yeah. So I wouldn't be hungry for lunch. So I'd eat either a late lunch or early dinner, however you want to say it. Um, and then I wouldn't be hungry for dinner. So I'd be like, well, I'll just go have a couple of beers and I don't need to expense that. That's on me. And, uh, so I just expense a breakfast and a lunch. And, uh, he's like, well, if you don't expense a dinner, it doesn't look like you're staying there. And it's like, okay, so this is, this is this kind of game bullshit game. Yeah. So I started finding beer stores <laughs> that were also bars Yeah. and I would go there and I would just, I mean, we had a lot, we were given a lot of money for dinner, like $65 a night we could spend on dinner. Oh, that's not bad. And so I would, uh, I would go there and I'd order a bunch of beer Yeah. and 
uh, bring home bottled beer. I'd find the ones that would also only give you a non-itemized receipt. Yeah. So only a oh, dollar amount yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would bring home all, a bunch of beers. Yeah. Instead of like having full on dinners. And after that, he never said anything about it again. That's hilarious. Like, that's, that's shitty. Like the reason it's shitty as far as leadership goes is like he didn't trust that I was actually doing my job because of some sort of some sort of metric, I guess you could say, or some yeah. sort of tidbit that has nothing to do with my job. Yeah. Like, it's just so fucking stupid. I was also winning a lot. Yeah. So it's like, I don't understand what his problem is. The metric that matters, my sales, I was fucking killing well, it. He sounds like it. my manager's manager at Starbucks. He just yeah. wants to be uh, over yeah. everyone and criticize yeah. everything. Just wants to make thing. sure, train to find. You know, he was also that, like, when I did one of my first leadership trainings, um, actually it was with Hilti. I did some really good trainings with them. They were, their education was great. Um, that was where I first heard the term seagull management. Mm. You familiar with this term? Mm-mm. It's the manager that doesn't really do anything with you. Flies over and shits in, on you. <laughs> shits on everything yeah. and then leaves. I knew it. <laughs> seagull manager. And that's what Dennis would do. He'd yeah. like call up looking for reasons to tell you you're shitty and then leave. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Here's another fun fact. Uh, like my, yeah, my grandpa, my dad's dad said that when he died, he was going to come back as a seagull and shit on all of us. That's fun. That is a fun fact. Is that a fun Do you fact? think it happened? Uh, no, I have not been shit on by a seagull. My dad has though. So I did well, a little research. Liked <laughs> yeah. I did a little research, uh, and traditional leadership styles. And so a lot of these were created back in 1939 by a psychologist and a team of researchers by the name of Kurt Lewin. And they define leadership as a combination of individual personality traits, behaviors, and situations. So uh, they came up with seven different kinds of traditional leadership styles. And I'm going to list them off here. We can discuss them. Yeah, seven. Seven. Some of them kind of blend in with one another, but there's some things that are different about them. Uh, Number one is the authoritarian. So this is an autocratic type leadership style. So they dictate policy and procedures. They direct work without input from team. Uh, tasks completed are under close supervision. Uh, less creativity, but very productive. Um, best applied when there's no time for group decision making and when leader has the expertise that a group doesn't have, but can become really dysfunctional um, and kind of starts creating a good guys versus bad guys type of vibe within the team. So that, that would be the more authoritarian. So number one is authoritarian, which sounds like kind of what we, <laughs> what we just yeah. described. So it does sound like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of devil's advocate. There is a place for a leader like this. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, like, if, it, if there's no time for group decision-making and say yeah. you're an expert and you got a team under you, I mean, you got to fire this shit away, man. We got stuff to do. We got to get it done. Yeah. Well, think about jobs like that, that don't like it's, it's, it's not a dynamic role. It's a very static, like customer service is one of those. Like you don't need people that are, are going to like create the next wheel. Mm -hmm. People are answering questions. They're doing administrative tasks. You need somebody that just like organize. Yeah. Yeah. Call centers are a perfect example of that. Like you're just trying to drive people all in the same direction. Yep. Uh, you probably have high turnover. And so having a leader yes. that can like take people in and out and just like get that job done, that yep. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
but that I, I think it has a negative connotation because it, it's like almost alluding to this person is a know-it-all asshole and it leads to teams that resent them. Yeah. So I think there's a balance there. There is like a very directive approach that needs to be had in certain roles, but not every role. Well, again, it depends on the environment mm-hmm. that it's that yeah, is sure. put in there. So number two is the participative or democratic leadership. And that not is very efficient. Yeah. It's a lot more fun. Group engages in decision-making. The leader only offers guidance. Uh, they do ask for input from the group, but they retain the final say. Mm. Uh, this yielded most desirable results. So less productive but higher quality than authoritative leadership. Uh, it's they had unclear roles sometimes, and those led to communication failures. So if there's not defined roles, then it breaks down a bit. Um, and unskilled leaders um, lead to poor decisions in this model too. So if they're not very yeah. skilled in, if they're, you know, if they if if they're putting people in situations, but they themselves do not know how to handle, then you're not going to get the best out of it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a very good uh, democratic leader in this sense, then you'll get very good, high quality results, though it won't be as quick as an authoritative, obviously, decision. There's a balance in this too. <clears throat> like in, in that situation, like one of the, the keys is that they maintain the final say. But, but I feel like a lot of leaders that fall into this bucket aren't good at owning that final say or like even yeah. sometimes being like, this is what we're doing. It might not be popular, but it is the right decision. They have to be strong. They do yeah. have to be like, a strong leader. City, City of Seattle is a good example of, <laughs> of a group that kind of works this way that is dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Like the Seattleites, Seattleites in general want consistent uh, consensus and everyone to feel good about it. And then they just never get anything done. Yep. Or they like bend to the person that's the loudest because people are like, all right, it's fine. We just, we should do something. Yep. Yep. Just super annoying. Uh, Number three is the delegate or laissez-faire leadership model. Uh, It's very hands-off. It has little or no guidance. Decisions are up to a group. Uh, The leader will provide necessary tools and resources for the group and they'll take responsibility for the group, but uh, this also comes up to well, and all, but all the power is handed to the group. So the leader actually doesn't have the power; they've given it all to the group. So they give mm-hmm. everything that they need for the group, but they don't they don't have the final say. Um, it's least productive. Uh, it's made more demands and unable to work independently and no cooperation. So the group, oftentimes, since they don't really have a leader. And no one wants to be the leader in this type of group because they don't want to be like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to cowboy this whole thing. It breaks down. Uh, mm-hmm. This is best for high, highly skilled workers and creative teams. So people who know that they're specialized in this place and they know their role and they do their role. Um, this is also not great for groups that lack skills or motivation. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, yeah, no kidding. Or groups that don't adhere to deadlines. So you'll always get poor performance out of those kind of people. But if you got a team and you're like, okay, listen, you're this and this and this and this, and now go do your jobs and they're very skilled people, they'll do their jobs and they'll do it well. And oftentimes when I'm, as I was going through this list and writing it down, I was thinking like, 
when you're in high school and you have to pair up with some people to do a class project, mm-hmm. right? It's like, <laughs> it, it's this kind of thing where everyone looks at each other and like, okay, well, who wants to lead it? Someone has to step and go, okay, this is what we're going to do. They have to have a game plan. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, like if you're the person that's like, well, I don't want to be the leader. Cause you know, it's all going to fall on you. You're going to be the guy that has to stand up and say, Oh, our presentation is, and you're gonna have to call on people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And most of us don't want that job unless you're actually that kind of person who is like, I don't give a fuck. I'll just, I'll mm-hmm. do it. But you always have that also that one kid. So you have the opposite. You got the guy that will start the whole thing, right. And make sure everyone mm-hmm. knows what their response. And you have the guy that's just going to slough off at the back. And everyone's yep. going to have to pick up their slack. And that's what this, this one kind of feels that way. <laughs> I feel and, like this is that one. And teachers like, should, teachers actually should pay a little bit more attention on those kind of things. Yes. Yeah. I feel like this is the one that where it's like, they're more concerned about being friends with everybody they work with and, than like managing. Yeah. And so like any sort of friction that comes up, they shy away from it. They kind of let the team do their own thing. Um, the problem that you run into in this kind of leadership where there's no real direction, like what you're talking about, what, what you mentioned before, like, like give people direction and let them do their jobs the way they can. There's a, there's a subtle difference in that. In that scenario, you have a leader that, that has high, uh, they believe in you. They have a high degree mm. of belief that you will do your job. Yeah. And that you will rise to the occasion. Yeah. And one of the one of the great thoughts that I don't even remember where I picked it up was uh people will rise to your expectations. And so if you have a person that has like kind of laissez faire to this example, sure. expectations where it's like they may or may not do it. I don't know if there's a difference where you could have that hands-off leader, but it's very clear that they believe in you to do a good job. Yep. So this sounds like the kind of the way they're describing it is that person that, that doesn't, I mean, maybe there's an, I didn't read this list, so I don't know, but maybe there's another one that blends in there that they, there's that person that's hands off. I believe you're going to do your job and you're going to do it well and now go do it. Uh, people respond to that and they'll do better. Uh, but if you're just like, well, you know, I don't, you just, you do what you need. What do you need? How do you, you know, take the time you need to do it. Like trying to play like too soft yeah. at, at the, to avoid conflict. That's, not not good at all. So there, again, there's like a caveat or a balance, I think, to this. I agree with you. And my job is this way. So I'm 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 a property manager. I have someone that I, I have two people that I really report to, but they're very hands-off. You know, I, I I initiate the conversations with them. I'm the one that tells them what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what are the issues mm-hmm. that are coming up. And then if there are certain things that I can't make the decision, like it's this is not my decision to make. And I'll go to them. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And they'll tell me what to do and we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. And then we'll come up with a great solution. And then I have to implement that. But I'm motivated. <laughs> you know, like I, I know what I need to get done. I go and I do my shit. Nothing's falling apart. No one's complaining. So I'm doing my job well. And, and, I'm, ma- and I'm being pro and I'm trying to be proactive. And that's my big thing is just be proactive. So, and then when things are slow, like right now in my job, things are slow. No one wants to start any construction. No one wants to do shit in November and December because it's holiday stuff and whatever. So all the other little stuff that I want to get done, I get done so that the rest of the year when things are balls to the wall. So anytime I have a lull, I do little things that will help me later on 
But I'm I'm thinking of myself and the company I work for. Like, what would yeah, best benefit sure. us right now? But not a lot of people think that way. No, and so they get well, caught up in that. You're also in a role where you've recognized the 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 penalty. Yeah. If, if that's I don't know if that's the best word, but there's a penalty that you that you get that you've recognized if you don't do that, and that's if I could slough off right now and maybe not do all the things. If I don't have a deadline, no one's given me a deadline. Like the whip that is behind you is this is going to make a shitty situation later. Yeah. For me. And I want to, and for you, and you <laughs> want to avoid that. But there's a lot of people in a lot of these roles that are like, yeah. what's the worst case? It doesn't get done. And my manager's like, oh, well, we really need to do it. And then nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you, you got to, like, you have that internal motivation to make your life easier. And a lot of people are like, well, my life is easy right now because it doesn't have to be hard. No yeah. one's telling me it has to be hard. Yep. So I'm just going to make it easy now, which is not very efficient. Yep. And then ultimately makes your life very challenging later, either by getting fired or having a deadline that all of a sudden pops up. And then having a deadline that pops up that you don't have a manager that knows how yep. to help you work towards. Yeah. Or being asked, because, hey, how come this wasn't done earlier? How come you didn't know about this? How come you weren't? Mm-hmm. I have to answer to that. Yeah. You know, and my, you know, an answer would be like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not a great answer. Nope. Yeah. Uh, whoops. And there's been a few times where I didn't know, but I just, I didn't say, oh, I didn't know. I just go, yeah, I messed up on that. Next time I'll do a lot better, but I'll fix it right now. Oh, that's the best. I love that. Well, yeah. it's just, I take ownership. I take responsibility and it won't happen again. People respond to that too. I think people are surprised. Well, it's when, honest. When you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, f- I done fucked up. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was my fault. I'm sorry. I'll fix it. Yeah. They just, they just want to hear that, you know, that you, it's on you and what are you going to do about mm -hmm. it? If you already have an answer prepared, they'll leave you alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and you should have an answer prepared because you fucked up. You shouldn't blame it on other people. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't just slough it off. Take ownership. Yeah. It's okay. And you'll find a lot of people are very forgiving uh, more than they are. If you lie. They, they, they know you lie. They want to fuck you up after that. They're like, this motherfucker's lying. Like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> I'm done yeah. with this dude. My first manager at Amazon, Kimmy, she yeah. was great. I mean, she was, she was good and bad. I think she was in over her head, and I don't think she actually liked managing oh people. You said good and bad, right? Yeah, good and you bad. You said good and bad. No, I, no, that's not something <laughs> I ever tested. Not one bit. Uh, I really liked her. She was a great person, and she really cared about the employees that she... Uh, managed. Um, she cared deeply. I think she was bad in the sense that the way Amazon works didn't work with the way she wanted to do things. And she yeah. also, after being a manager for a very short time, she was like, I don't want to do this. I want to be an indiv- individual contributor. And she took herself out of management. Yeah. Um, um, but she was, I had conversation with, with her and I think I benefit. There's there's an asterisk by this. I benefit from being older now and having a lot of experience in these situations. And she told me once that she's never had anybody work for her that was more introspective about the things they're doing and took ownership of their uh, deficiencies or things they missed or, you know, anything like that. And uh, I wasn't always that way, but now I'm a thousand years old. And I see the value in it. Forty-two. Because, You're only forty-two yeah. years old. Oh my god. I'm forty-three. Oh, I'm forty-three. 43. Yeah, I'm forty-three. Are you sure? Um, I think so. We'll have to do math. Aren't you two years younger than I am? I was born in. It, this is a side You're born in eighty, matter. weren't you? Seventy-nine. Oh, you're only one year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm a product of the seventies. You're forty-three. 
heroin and bell bottoms. That's what got me. Disco. Got, got me going. Disco. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I, I just took you off track. No, that's, a, Go no, for that's, it. Absolutely, that's absolutely fine. Um, but I, I learned years and years and years ago that it's so much more efficient to just say, oh, yeah, I fucked up. I'll fix it. Yeah. Than to like try to spend the next like hour trying to excuse my way out of being in trouble. Yeah. Just admit it. I, I, don't, I don't have time for that shit. I don't care. Yeah. What are you going to do? Fire me? Well, they're probably going to fire me anyway if it's bad enough to be fired. Yeah. And if I'm just making a bullshit, why would they want me to work there anyway? Just own it and go fix it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the least path of least resistance that we think. And so, you know, that, yeah, the human brain just wants to go, no, I didn't do anything. Well, we don't like being in trouble. Yeah. No, yeah, but like failure is the place where you learn and we forget that. Yeah. I wish I knew what that was like. I've never failed my entire life. Cool. Well, good for you. Number four is transactional. <laughs> <laughs> A transactional, winning. yeah, transactional leader. Will provide followers with direction, resources, and rewards in exchange for productivity and task accomplishment. So outside of a paycheck, which is actually your reward for a fucking job, mm-hmm. you fucking millennials. Uh, I do my job for one reason. <laughs> paycheck. Well, two reasons. <laughs> paycheck and health insurance. <laughs> health insurance. Yeah. Well, that's part of your paycheck. That's your that's pay That's part package. of my paycheck. Yep. So, and I pay for part of that. So I guess yep. it's. Okay. Yeah. But in this, in this model, it's only this one thing. It's, it's all the other things. Plus they will reward you. So this is like commission based type stuff where you have a leader over you. That's, you know, motivating, giving you everything you need, but it's up to you to, you know, to get that bonus or get that extra thing Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you can win this or that or whatnot. So number five is a charismatic leader. Charismatic leader has a high degree of confidence and a lack of internal conflict. They have. Can I go back to the other, the one before that? Transactional. Charismatic, transactional. I'm reading the last line of that. I looked up a page on this and the last line is like rewards and exchange for productivity and tasks. It, it feels like this is a job for people who actually don't find any joy in their jobs like they like this <laughs> like they have to have the extra stuff well they're like they're like i'm doing this for money and praise and that's it yeah. and i don't care what the job is i don't care how shitty it is and there's a perfect manager for that that's like okay you do you do a lot you get more i'll give you more i don't give a shit how you do it yeah. i'm not gonna i'm just like that sounds like the worst yeah it sounds like a horrible job and it sounds like mm-hmm. a job that somebody's doing without any joy in it. And mm-hmm. why would you spend your entire life doing a job like that? It's true. I just sent you that a link, said, by the way, in the chat, I just sent you a link to what I'm reading. I will, I will um, put a caveat on that, though. Uh, I am a corporate whore, mm-hmm. and I like money. I you like need money. It. <laughs> I need money. I need That's money. That's where you, you come, come in. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Happy Gilmore. Yep. <laughs> It's awesome. one of my favorite scenes I know. in the whole movie. And he was talking I to like Kevin money. Nealon I have in the bank. Yeah, I would like more bank. of it. I would like more of it. That's where you come in. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> Number five was charismatic leader. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Story, story, High story. degree of confidence and lack of internal conflict. So that's why they're charismatic. They're very confident. Yeah. Uh, they have high energy and enthusiasm. This is your youth pastor, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Good communication skills, good image and role model, 
Uh, emotional relationship with followers. Uh, best when organization is in a time of crisis or stress or in need of a change. New goals or direction and dramatic symbols like CEO donating to charity or taking a pay cut is part of this kind of charisma. Like they're doing the hard thing. I'm not going to take my millions this year. I'm going to take a pay cut in order to save the company. Mm. That's a very charismatic thing. Um, Mostly prophetic traditions, religious and stuff like that, are more likely to embrace this type of leader. Can we go back to that? Yeah. I hate that. You hate charismatic leaders? No, I hate that. Like, I'm not going to take a paycheck this year. Oh, yeah. Like, you're a multimillionaire. I know you're not even hurting. You're like telling people that, well, I guess I won't fly business class anymore. Yeah. You know, or like, I'm not going to take my private jet. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll have to take United. Like fuck off. Let alone to take your paycheck. You, you live in a $12 million house and you have however much stocks and whatever bullshit in the bank. And you're like sacrificing your paycheck. Whereas the people that are working for you are struggling paycheck to paycheck. High and mighty piece of shit. But sorry, I've had leaders like that that were in this bucket yeah. that did exactly what you said, and you're like, you're not sacrificing, but you're trying to make it seem like you're sacrificing. But it also it also tells you that they're actually very good at with their money. Yes. Meaning that they could oh, yeah. take a paycheck and they're not gonna hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which means that they they have investments enough, enough investments that will cover the financial burden. Mm-hmm. For this yeah, year, wanna, for this one year that they're trying to save the company. I don't I don't want my rant to come across as like rich people don't deserve to be rich. That's not what I'm saying. No, some of them work very hard at it. Yeah. And they that's do. Fine. They yeah, do. They, they don't take do. weekends they off. They, no, they they work. They absolutely, yeah, they absolutely do. They work their asses off, man. Um, but to try to make it seem like it's this huge sacrifice to like not pay, take a paycheck this year in order to help save the company that has made them rich. Yeah. I'm not sure that's as altruistic as the spin. Yeah. I'm a good salesperson is what they are. I meet with my financial advisor at least once a month. At least we try to. And, uh, we're, I'm waiting for that bracket where I need to start having lawyers. So I'm like, oh, I'm in that bracket. I make so much money. Right now. <laughs> I'm waiting Oodles. for that moment. He's like, you're Oodles. not there yet. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what about investing in this? He's yeah, like, we're- he's like, you're not there yet. He goes, you'll be there. But you're not there yet. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. He goes, I'll let our you know when you're, advisor, when you're ready. And I'm like, our okay. financial advisor basically said the same thing. It's like, once you hit this level, that's when we'll start talking about those things. Yep. That's exactly what they said, too. Now uh, it's not that time. Nope. And we're not far from it, but it's, it's, it's a ways. <laughs> it's more, far, it's, it's further a, away than I want to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't it? Yeah. So help us with the passive income. This is a value for value podcast. <laughs> Uh, number six is transformational leader. Uh, so this transformational leader, they f- help followers. Um, they inspire their followers to act their intellectual stimulation from their leader. The, so the group gets their intellectual stimulation from the leader. Uh, they have individual consideration. So a leader singles out a follower and provides more motivation. This to me, this transformational leadership, by the way, it sounds like a cult. Um, they motivate and teach with a shared vision. They inspire the group. They hold themselves and the individuals accountable. Uh, traits are integrity, self-awareness, authentic- authenticity, empathy. And they're, it's difficult to learn to be charismatic and transformational. So that's the hard part of this. But the thing that both trans 
transformational and charismatic, the problems that they can arise from those things is that they become a emotional with their group. And that's always kind of a thing that you have to distance yourself. Like it's okay to like the, the leader that's in front of you, but you have to remind yourself that they're not God or they're not the person necessarily that you should follow everything in your life. And the second is that you shouldn't get all your stimulation from them. And if they start singling out people, that's kind of odd too. So, you know, if, uh, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm a little ruined by a lot of like, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts on cults and stuff like the Nexium cult and (laughs) stuff like that. Well, so read that, read that part again. What is the singled out part? So it's an individual. So the leader has individual consideration. So a leader singles out a follower and provides them with more motivation. But that, that to me also sounds like an emotional connection with that person too. So the assumption is that the like next part of that sentence would be, but not with all of the followers. Yeah. So say you, you, so you're a leader right now. You're a a manager. You're a manager. And we're not going to talk about names. It's like they, it's like they play, but in your group, you already know, John, that there's this one person in your group. They're the high achiever. You've already singled them out. You've, you, you have a pecking order in your mind or they're the easiest to manipulate. Sure. But they get results, Mm -hmm. right? Or you want to invest time in them. You see potential. So So you want to invest in them. That this leader isn't investing time in the other people that are, they're leading. Yeah. Because if you, if you you have a group of people, it's not bad. Yeah. But if you were targeting someone specifically because you know, you can get the results you want and ignoring everybody else, that's bad. That would be bad. But if you're giving everyone the same attention, but you give this other person a little bit more extra attention because you see a potential in them that the other people don't have. So, and that means to teachers love this. So one of the things that I, I figured out at when I was teaching a lot was Teachers love many teachers. Mm-hmm. So the kids that were labeled uh, bad or difficult by high school teachers were kids that were not teachers. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. simply put, they were they were out of the box thinkers. They didn't want they didn't like the rigid rules. You know, they didn't want to follow the A B C D E pattern of how you're supposed to do a thing. They were kind of out there. And they kind of thought differently. They weren't bad. They weren't mm-hmm. manipulative, but they weren't basically how teachers think. And teachers love research and organization and they like everything because they have to teach that way or they're trained basically mm-hmm. to teach that way. So they love little teachers because little teachers get what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So I would say in this in this particular situation, a teacher would find someone that's like a little teacher and they would take that little kid underneath their wing and they would really find that kid as the model example that they're doing a good job as a teacher because this kid's basically a born teacher. They like the same things that they like. If you take that into a corporate role, if you're a manager or if you like, if you have a management style and you find a person in your group that has that same management style, just maybe naturally, or they really vibe with you and how you do it, you're getting the results that you want, you would probably spend a little extra attention on them and maybe even, uh, I don't want to use this word, but groom them to take your job or to have a position like yours because you see mm-hmm. the potential in them. 
And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. In a in a different bad way, you could be manipulating somebody to do your bidding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to me, these things are fraught. And if you're a person who has a charismatic leader or a transformation transformational leader, you also should be thinking in your head like, just be careful with these kind of people because they also understand the power that they possess. Mm-hmm. And you want to yeah. make sure that they're on the up and up. The other problem with the transformational leader too in this situation is that like the, like the negative side of it, there's there's some really positive things that this kind of person can do. Mm-hmm. But one of the big negatives is like as a leader, you're responsible for everybody who's following you. Yeah. And you're ignoring part of it. Like, just like you said, the teachers that like want the little teachers and they ignore the troublemakers, even though they're probably great kids anyway, you know, in the corporate situation, you're ignoring people who probably have a lot of talent, but they just don't fit exactly where your emotional connection or whatever it is. Uh, And your job is not to like pick and choose and you're not a kingmaker. Your job is to lead the team evenly. Yep. And you're not leading. You're actually, I mean, in all honesty, you're only leading part of the team. Yep. You're ignoring another part of the team that's also valuable. Yep. So you're not a very good leader in that situation. Yeah, if you're not lifting everybody up or f- trying to find the right potential within everybody, yep. yeah, that's a hard thing to do. That takes extra work. Well, it's easy it just to takes like, extra work. I feel like this kind of leadership too is, I think a lot of people that would fall into this category don't do it on purpose. No. It's just easier. It feels better. You yeah. get results quicker with those people. Um, and I think it's easy to fall into it yeah. because, because there are results coming, but uh, like, you really have to be introspective and think about it. Like, what am I doing it evenly or am I like spending more time with, with Eric as opposed to everybody else? And yep. am I actually leading my team or am I leading that one person? And I, am I a manager of one or many? Yeah. I loved the kids that got in trouble. Those are my favorite kids. I had the most fun with them. Did, I laughed. You were one of them. I laughed the most with those kids. Oh yeah, I was one of them. I'm a contrarian. I'm, I, I contradict everything. I I I think I question. Contrarian. Yeah, contrarian. I I I debate people on all kinds of stuff. It's fun. You are a master debater. Masturbator. Debater. Debater. Master <laughs> debater. Well, I, I guess you just outed yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, I touched myself. There's when nothing wrong with that. About Feels nice. You. Uh, number seven. And the last one here, according to this list, is servant leadership. Uh, this is serving alongside your group as you lead. So you're in it with them. Uh, you're asking for more while offering more. Uh, you value those you lead. You speak the truth in love. So you have to have hard conversations, but you do it out of love because you want them to continue to grow and be better. Um, you're not controlling in any way. So there's no manipulation in this. You, you have set rules, um, and you allow the freedom though, to make mistakes and learn. So if someone in your team makes a mistake, you don't shit on them for it. You use it as an opportunity to find out what they've learned and how they could do it better. And then encourage them to go forward in that same kind of aspect. So obviously with all of these, they have their place, but for me, servant leadership has always been the place where I've fallen into. So I would say, uh, I like these categories to some extent, but I feel like the descriptions are very subjective. Yes. 
Like they're they're sort of leading to this one is the best. No, because they all like, have different purposes. I know, but it doesn't. Different but it doesn't like like even in the naming and like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like yeah. the authoritarian. It's like you, your knee jerk reaction is, "Oh, that guy's an asshole, and there's no place for this in the world." Kim Jong Un. Like, I wish. Yeah. Right. Like I wish that the, <laughs> the descriptions were more like. Yeah sort of in a scientific format where it's like, well, they are, this is given by psychologists. I mean, they're, well, yeah, but it's like the way it's presented is like, uh, bad to good yeah. almost yeah. like they just get better as they go. I understand. Instead of, instead of being more objective in the way that it talks. And it's like, these are traits of these people. Here's kind of how they work. Um, but like, every, I don't know. I think laissez fair was worse than charismatic. Yeah, that wasn't good. But again, I wish it was, less of a narrative and more of a like specific characteristics of these people. That's all. Or you could say you could be a little bit of everything, you know I mean? Yeah. It's not one style fits into all. Most people are probably balanced on there. And that's, I just, I I, like it's the descriptions are too leading. Yeah. That's why, that's what I don't like about it. Uh, I'm not opposed to the, the overarching narrative. That's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I just wish it was more like, like a, like a list of things. This is my math brain talking. Like oh, I just want I the descriptions of each. Yeah. I don't want you to tell me how you feel about them. And they sort of lean towards how you feel about them. Yeah. I the think you're more abstract minded than you like to admit, because that's an abstract, that's an abstract thought. So yeah. what, what we have here is a psychologist who has done classification and kingdom <laughs> and you know they've they've done a, a work here where they're putting them in categories and your brain's saying it's probably a little bit more gray than that which is more abstract which yeah. is fine because i agree with that too um and then you know you you start listening to other people who are ha- or who are in or have been in leadership positions and you find that they one thing doesn't work for every individual in that group. So in some mm-hmm. ways you have to think of the, the whole, all the people in your group and this kid might re respond really well, or this person might respond really well to authoritarian. Like, Hey dude, we gotta get this shit done. So just fucking do it. Okay. And they might like jump and be like mm-hmm. on it. And this guy over here, if you left him alone, he'd probably be way more productive. So I'm going to leave him the fuck alone. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, you got this done. Yeah, I got it. Okay, cool. Just get it done. Mm-hmm. I need it by this day. And you'll have it. You'll have it. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably have a good product, but you don't need to manhandle him. And then you got this person over here where you kind of have to conjole a little bit. So you got to be charismatic. You got to be like, hey, man, how's it going? How's it, what's going on with this? You know? Oh, dude, did you listen to? And you got to like inspire them somehow to like want to do better because that's kind of how their whole thing is. And this other person here, if you come alongside them, and show them and do the same work as them and have the same frustrations as them, they'll probably excel and exceed because you're in the shit with them. You're serving with them, right? Every person will have a a different way because just like having children, you can't parent one kid the same way you parent another kid. They're, they're different people. You can try Mm -hmm. and you'll fail. And you'll quickly realize that this kid right here, you can leave them alone and they'll they'll get stuff done or they'll figure it out pretty quick. This one right here, you have to ride a little bit because they're not figuring it out very quickly. Eventually they will, but you got to ride them a little bit more. So you got to be a little more hands-on. This is kind of a, a, 
the way that we've kind of attacked this topic too is interesting because we're looking at it very much from like a managerial sort of standpoint. Sure. Um, which, um, like, well, yes, that's most of these, it's almost like a boss employee relationship. So even the way they talk about it, um, but there's so often, and, and I don't think people think about this in their lives enough. Um, like this is almost an administrative view of being a, a leader, Yeah. but, but like, you don't have to be in charge of people to lead people. No. Like you can just be around people and they will follow you if you're doing the right things or, or worth or following worth following. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have any sort of authority over them. Sure. That they, that you were granted, they yeah. just will give it to you. Um, and one of the, one of the best, uh, one of the best thoughts on leadership that I was ever given. And it's super simple is because every, everybody wants to talk about, not everybody wants to be a leader, but people like to talk about being leaders. And some people think they're really great leaders and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm an awesome leader. Anyone who says, Oh yeah, I'm an awesome leader. It's probably a really shitty leader. Yep. Uh, and somebody once said, if you want to know if you are a great leader, turn around and see who's following you. Yeah. And if no one's following you, you're a terrible leader. Yep. If shitty people are following you, you're probably a terrible leader. Yep. If the people that are following you are really great, you're probably a great leader. Yep. But like nobody is a great leader without great followers. Yep. That's true. So that's a good quote. If I, know, if check, I, if I had a meme maker that right now, it'd be your face with a, with that quote right there on it. Right. It's perfect. But yeah. I love that thought, like turn around and see who's following you. Yeah. Makes total sense. One of the things that I learned real quick teaching, and I agree with you, John. One of the things that I, I learned real quick teaching is that I had, I disagreed with the model of teaching, uh, the industrial way of teaching, whereas like kids came in, chunk, chunk, and then they go out <laughs> and then chunk, chunk, like one size fits all chunk, chunk, you know, mm -hmm. and it's it like a, like a, like an assembly line of kids. Uh, they were different. And so some kids that I knew that had special needs or that didn't really get the things that I was teaching, I wouldn't dumb it down, but I would simplify it. I would say simplify because they weren't dumb. They were actually very intelligent, but they, they couldn't grasp certain concepts. So I would simplify it and I would even mm -hmm. stay after school and, and have them come into my class. And I just, I would just simplify it. I would just say, okay, I know you're caught up in all these things, but all I want to know is what do you, what's your opinion on this? Or what do you think this is saying? Mm -hmm. And I would just focus on one thing. And if they could get that one thing, then like, I knew they got the concept that I was trying to teach mm -hmm. and I wasn't asking them to agree or disagree with it. I just wanted to know if they understood what it was. Does yeah, that make sense? Sure. Okay. There was other kids that were very super high functional. They, they got it first time and whatever. And if I noticed those kids, I would take them and I'd ask them because they would finish their homework super early. They understood it really well. I would say, could you help me? And could you go over to this group over here that seemed to be struggling? And I would tell my class at the beginning of the year. So I made all these rules. Like if someone needs help or whatever, I like peer to peer learning. Right. So I will, I will ask someone else to come to your table. That's in this class that might get it to help you understand it. If you're not getting it, and you should not think that you're dumb. You should think that this is another classmate that's helping you. So yeah. I try to build those relationships and I would ask them to go over to that group and I'd say, tell them what you, how you figured it out. And they would get it better from this student than they got it from me. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just because my brain is working differently than their brain. And maybe they yeah. could explain it to their peer better than I could explain it as an adult. Um, trying to explain it to a 14 year old or a 15 year old. So I had to adjust many times to the, the kids that I would teach by their own learning style. Cause I didn't feel like one style fit them all. And I was unique in that way. And plus what I taught, which was Bible and computer concepts and stuff gave me the ability to do that. Like I didn't have a rigid thing like math. Mm-hmm. And math can only be learned in certain ways, only one way. You know, they're like math is kind of stringent. It's it's got mm-hmm. rules and their boundaries are very very set. Well, uh, where biblical things are discussional things, right? They're spiritual and they're you know, so you can have a a, a broad discussion over those things. Um, and that's why I liked my job, and I think that's why my kids responded. Now, if I had a troubled kid in my class, I would throw him out of class. I'd say, all right, out. And they would go out of the class and they'd sit in the hallway and I'd come out and talk to them after I was done teaching. I'm like, do you know why I sent you out here? And they're like, cause I was talking while you were talking. And it's like, right. I was like, I want to hear what you have to say, but you have to respect me and I'll give you the respect too. If you have mm-hmm. a question, I was like, but if you're trying to cause someone else to not learn or ask questions or talk about things in my class and the way that I've set it up, then you're going to have to sit out here. Do you understand that? Yeah. And I would just be fair and loving. And they'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. I want you in my class. So I I want you in here and I want you to participate because I think you have interesting things to say, but you can't do it the way that you want to do it. I have a, I have a system here that you're going to have to follow. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I would have my own rules, but you know, that was just because everyone needed to be able to be heard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I was right and they're wrong. It's just, I wanted to hear their opinions, but you can't be talking when other people are talking. I do think it's interesting. You brought up math. Um, because it reminded me, uh, in college. So I, I was a math major. I have a degree in applied mathematics and, Nerd. um, I know totally, <laughs> it's, it's going to get, it's going to get even nerdier. Here Yay. Um, so they moved to this yeah. model for, for yeah. everyone's required to take math 101 and math 143 entry level math in college. And I was a tutor in the math lab. So most of it was done online through computers and, and they would have to come into the lab to work on projects. And I was there to help. And I tutored everything from like basic math up through third year calculus. And I remember this one kid, um, I think this now in hindsight taught me the value of understanding where people are coming from and what their actual goal is. Cause it would be very easy to say, well, the goal is for you to get an A in this class and here's exactly how you do it. And because she said math is rigid, that's, you're like kind of in this role of, well, this is what you have to do. You just have to learn it. Yeah. And this, I think this, this one kid who came in, um, he definitely did. He wasn't stupid, but he did not have a math brain at all. Like fractions were like, he did not understand fractions at all. And it didn't matter how much time I spent with him. He had no idea. Like he just didn't get it. Um, and so it was, it was humbling in a, in a sense because I thought I was pretty good at teaching people how to do these things. Uh, turns out I wasn't until I understood what his end goal was. His, and his only end goal was just, just to pass the class. And so once we started pushing in the right direction and I was able to like yeah. support him enough and get him going to the point that he could pass the class so he could go do his liberal arts degree or whatever it was he was doing. Um, 
as opposed to like my view of, well, you have to ace everything. That's my job is to help you ace everything. Um, it changed the way that I interacted with him. Uh, it was very friendly. And I, and, and then being honest with him, like, I get you're struggling with this. Just know that I'm not looking down on you and I'm here to help you whenever you need. Yeah. Uh, I think part of his struggle too, is he felt stupid. So he had a hard time asking for help. Yeah. Um, and when he would work with other tutors, he didn't get much out of it because he always felt like he was being judged because he just did not have a math brain. Yeah. I don't uh, either. So it was by like, the way, yeah, so. it was like learning, learning to interact with different people and the different places they are and having no, especially in that situation, we have no idea where they're coming from. Yeah. What they know. I was a benefit of like, honestly baking in, in as a kid in junior high and high school. And that's how I learned fractions. Oh yeah. That's great. That's not, a great every, way to do it. not not everybody learns it that way no. or, you know, using a tape measure with me dad and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but I just, I, I, I love, I loved that moment of trying to, or like me having to adjust the way that I was interacting. It goes yep. right, right hand in hand with what you're talking about. It's like yeah. me having to adjust my approach based on where he needs to be, not what I think he needs to do. Absolutely. Oh, you're absolutely right. You have to adjust to that. That's actually perfect. Um, I'm going to end with a couple of these uh, tips from Jocko Will, Willing, Wilnick. He's a former SEAL team leader. It's a good name, Jocko. Yep. Uh, you don't know Jocko? Jocko's great. He's got a... Yeah. Yeah, he's got a great book called Discipline Equals Freedom. I've read through you know, it. You don't fuck with anyone named Jocko. Yeah, well, especially this dude. He's a <laughs> fucking bulldog. Anyways, uh, here's a few things that he says about leadership. He says, first, there's no bad teams, just bad leaders. Believe in yourself as a leader. Don't let your ego get in the way. Fight through any hardships. Uh, do hard things, basically. Mm-hmm. Recommit to your team every day. Like every day when you wake up, this is my team. I'm committed to them. Even if they're fucking up, right? Um, empower your team and give them opportunities to excel. So find ways that you can get your team to excel. Uh, take cover and move. Right. So if you need to cover for them so we can get to the next objective, you do that. You take responsibility. Lead by example. Don't don't have them do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Uh, be a force multiplier. Right. So you you want to help them double their work. You want to you want to go in there. You want to help them whatever they're excelling on or trying to exceed on. You want to help them do that and plus some. Mm-hmm. Uh, set priorities and act on them. Keep things simple. Don't overcomplicate a thing. Uh, delegate and decentralize command. So m- make sure that you're a good delegator so you d- all the shit doesn't af- have to be you to finish, even though you take full responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, be decisive. Don't be a person who wavers. Just make a decision. And then finally, discipline is more important than motivation. So your discipline, the fact that you get up every day, that you're the first one there, that you're the one that's going to make these decisions, that says a lot more than you trying to motivate everyone else. Because that in itself is motivation, is to be disciplined. And uh, I think that's the hardest thing for people to learn is discipline. I think you can be motivated to do something for a little while. Right, you can get really excited about something for just a moment, and do really good for just a moment. Mm-hmm. 
like most diets or most exercise or, you know, routines or whatever. But the discipline is even when you don't want to do it, you fucking do it. Like, and you hate it. And you, maybe you even half ass it, but you were there, you did it. You know, I mean, it's, there's days when I come down here and work out with Nathan, I'll look at him like, I don't want to do this. So pick up your weights because we got to do this. <laughs> like, and I don't want to. And I just, <laughs> and I'm not maybe lifting as hard as I would if I was more motivated, but I'm here, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. And I'm, you know, and I just, I go through it and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And, it, and what might should take me 40 minutes now takes me an hour because I'm just not motivated. But you're doing it and you're just trying to be disciplined. You're just trying to create that. And, and I know we've talked about that before. So those were his uh, leadership yeah. like, tips. Oh, yeah. Where was this? Anytime I ever trained. Uh oh. What happened, man? Anytime I ever trained a new Perfect. salesperson. Yep. Um, my number one, uh, obviously, was nobody's cracking the whip. And two, like, you have the opportunity to make a lot of bad decisions. Just don't make bad decisions. That's <laughs> it. It's easy. It really is. And if you do, just own it and then you're fine. Yeah. Most people are very, very forgiving. And that's the fear. The fear is what keeps they're you forgiving from. when you're gracious about not gracious, when you're honest about it. That's when they're forgiving. Yep. When you're like, oh, I fucked up. Because like there are a lot of people. My my shitty manager was the one that was always looking for a fight. Yeah. So like when you would fight him on stuff, he would want to fight with you. But if you're like, oh yeah, I fucked up, it like took all the wind out of his sails. Yep. Like, oh yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. Well, John, I have to pee, which means this is the end of the podcast. That seems about the right time. Time to go. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you, guys. Wet his trousers. (laughs) And that's it for another episode of Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. This is episode 41. We are a value for value podcast. 41. So send us some Satoshis. And uh, thank you for listening. And we appreciate you guys. Prime numbers are the best. That's all you got to say. Fuck. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night.